Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of Bees Pod. Um, I'm really sorry for the long wait. We've been waiting to record for a long time now. Um, but thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoy the show. And as usual, let us know if you've got any feedback or comments after on Twitter or wherever you want to. Welcome to the first episode of Beast Pod this season. We haven't been very good at getting them out, uh, men, but uh, we're here now in the very sort of plush surroundings of the Hilton Houston, um, looking very elegant. <laughs> I know, it's, it's pretty nice in here. I mean, a minute ago it was dead quiet in here, and now there's a woman staring ice in the background. Yeah, well, it's, it's definitely not the fair that you get a Graziadis bar, that's for sure. Um, and as you've heard, I'm, I'm only joined by men tonight. There's only the two of us. Uh, Michael couldn't make it, uh, and everyone else seems to have been uh, scared off by Barnett's somewhat indifferent start to the season. Um, so we'll get into that now, but... With 10 games in, man, a lot of negativity surrounding the club at the moment. What are your thoughts on our first 10 games? Two wins, six draws, two defeats, pretty average. I look at it, uh, it depends. Are we talking about on the pitch or off the pitch? On the, let's start with on the pitch first. Okay, we're starting on the pitch. Um, I think the problem this year is, is really we're struggling to win our home games, which, is, which has been a big strength of ours um, under Martin Allen. Um, and I think the problem we have at the moment is we're just drawing far too many games. Um, I look at it now and I think, okay, it's not ideal. We've drawn six games this season already. But I look at it and think, we've actually only lost two games and only one team has taken us to the cleaners, uh-huh. which was Portsmouth, obviously. We got spanked 5-1. Yeah. But the rest of the... Um, the re- we are actually in a, in a solid position to actually push off from here. With a game in hand, um, we would be within two points of the playoffs. So I look at it and I think to myself, um, okay, it's not been a great start. But we are trying to bring in three or four play- new players and actually we could push off from here. I mean, one of the things that's been really interesting in this first 10 games is just how reliant we've been on, on Akinde's goals. I mean, he has really been, you know, many of the games, I mean, I'm just thinking of Morecambe, which was this time last week. He's, oh, two weeks ago, sorry. Oh, sorry, this time uh, last Tuesday. He was the dominant player in that in that side and we're relying heavily on his goals at the moment. I mean, is that a con- cause concern or do you think at the moment the team are just sort of finding their feet as a, as a unit? Yeah, no, I do actually. I think it's a real big, a uh, real cause of concern because, I mean, we've, you know, we, I've read stuff about people saying that we haven't spent any money, but we have actually because let's be fair, we've brought in some sever- several experienced uh, players at this level, uh-huh. um, in t- including sort of Ak- Akpa Akpro, <laughs> yeah. who I'm struggling to <laughs> well, say his name. <laughs> I think everyone is, to be fair. Um, and we've brought in uh, uh, Nichols. Yeah. Um, He's a good player, Nichols. He is. We've brought in Campbell, Ry- Campbell Rice or Reese or however you Rice, yeah, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Rice. Um, these guys, are j- I, th- I get the feeling this, these guys are still trying to settle in, into and find their feet in the team and how they fit into the team. Um, and it's what's happening is I feel like we're almost like set up better to play away. In the sense uh, that we've got what a uh, sort of... We're uh, looking to draw teams on and hit, hit, them, like, hit them over the top with a kinde. But also, this, what's up, what's also suggests to me as well is that of late we seem to be the one tactic seems to be try and hit a kinde uh, um, first. In the air. And what that's proven shown to me, and I think we discussed it in previous podcasts, where Gash takes a lot of the draws a lot of the, the defenders out yeah. with his aerial ability, and it leaves a kinde one v one. But in this t- at the moment, we're trying to go direct to a kinde. 
I mean, that's a real issue because if you think back over Martin Allen's time at the club, the times where we've struggled have been when we've gone really long ball to a Kinde, bypassed the midfield and the sort of more technical players that we've got in there. Um, and it seems to be this season, perhaps more than other seasons, that that tactic has kicked in really early on. And do you think that's, that's something that's intentional in the play or do you think it's just a natural process of having such a big unit up front? I think the thing is, when you've got a player as good as Akinde and a player, a player as effective as Akinde, I think the danger is that you're always going to look for him as a player. Yeah. And when things aren't really as smooth, and at the moment we're not, we haven't found our rhythm yet by any stretch of the imagination. So what happens as a player is that when, you, when you're struggling, you look for your talisman. Yeah. Um, and I think also that, you know, the, the loss of Gash has been really, really important. Uh, it's been really important. It's interesting. So you think that that's been a real, a real kick for us this, at the start of the season? Yeah, of course. I mean, look, a football team is like a football team is like a machine with loads of different, co- you know, uh, different cogs and stuff. And the thing about it is, is that he is one that makes he is a cog in arm, you know, that ma- that makes Akinde w- um, play. Yeah. Because what he does is he occupies players and he takes players away from Akinde, leaving Akinde in, you know. Um, be able to roam. At the moment, Akinde is having to go and battle for b- for long balls and battle for high balls. And I kind of feel also that that maybe some of the other players are just basically hiding a little bit by looking for them long balls. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the, the there's been a couple of players that have come in for a lot of criticism um, in the first few weeks of the season. One of them being, of course, Sean Bat, um, who I think is now into his sort of 27th game without scoring, which is something that's you know becoming a bit of a psychological issue for him. Also, Curtis Weston, I think, is another typical scapegoat that everyone wheels out, um, you know, when things aren't going very well. Do you think that going forwards, we've got enough around Akinde to be, you know, an attacking force that can settle into a top top 10, top 15 position? Or do you think that actually the loss of gas has just shown us to be what we are, which is quite a, an average squad without, uh, you know, one of the two quite good strikers we've got up front? No, I think I think the fa- I think the fact is if a good play um, good players will win football matches. Yeah, and I think the problem we have at the moment is that we're not getting the best out of. Although he's scoring some, some goals, um, I feel that the, the 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 blend is not quite right because regardless of what people's opinions are about Sean Bat, Sean Bat is a bustling centre forward that's got pace and he's a big. He's got got size to him. Yeah, and he runs around a lot. Is he the best player for Akinde to play alongside? Bearing in mind that Akinde wants to be the player that's roaming as w- around as well. If anything, they're too similar. Um, <laughs> one of them has got 14 goals in no, no, 13 <laughs> games. One of us I, has I, scored I, I know for what about two years. What I'm saying is, in terms of their, no, I know, I know in ter- in their skill set, they're both looking to roam in the same areas. I think that's true. I mean, I think one of the things about Akinde is that because he's so big, he's seen as being this sort of massive, sort of John Hartson style, you know, Andy Carroll style, massive centre forward who's brilliant in the air. And actually, he's not that brilliant in the air. He's a he's a very, very good finisher. You know, he's good at, you know, peeling off the last man, bringing the ball down. And a lot of his goals are finished one-on-one. Um, and I think, actually, you're right that Sean Bat, you know, na- instinctively you would think, okay, having two big target men in Gash and Akinde up front wouldn't work. Um, but where, you know, actually, I think, you're, you're, you know, you've got a bit of, uh, you're, you're on the money there when you say that, you know, back perhaps is is just not complementing Akinde in the same way that that Gash does. W- what about behind the striker though? Because again, you know, we haven't got that many goals from midfield this season. You know, Nichols scored in the first uh, game of the season, but apart from that, we haven't conceded so many. Apart from Portsmouth, we haven't scored many. I mean, do you think people like you know Curtis Weston, um, you know Nichols to an extent, Gambin? Do you think they need to start pushing forward with a few more goals? 
I actually think that some of the chopping and changing is not helping. Because I kind of feel because if you look at the team every single week, we seem to be uh, it seems to be a different variation. Yeah, and I feel like we need to we need to get some sort of we need to get some sort of rhythm to the side. Uh huh. And I don't know I don't know what's going on. I don't know whether or not it is a case that Martin Allen is unhappy with the way that certain players are playing, and he's changing it because he's trying to get a reaction or he's trying to get players to start performing, or. Is he genuinely being this kind of like just trying to keep players fresh and he's trying to rotate the side and <laughs> the Martin Allen that I'm that I've known of, you know, that I've known about for for you know for ten, fifteen years. <laughs> All these fifteen player, appearances at the club, is, yeah. Is is somebody who's somebody who's prepared to make tough decisions, prepared to he's very decisive. Yeah, he's very decisive. This doesn't chopping and changing to keep the squad happy doesn't sound like the Martin Allen that I've known that I've known of for you know, ten to fifteen years. Which would suggest to me that he's not happy with something, and he's not—he's trying to find a way. Which is, then it gets a little bit, kind of almost concerning that he's not actually sure of what his best team is. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's a lot of truth to that. I think interestingly, you know, one of the things that held us back perhaps at the start last year was the lack of quality signings coming into the team. Um, you know, and we talked a lot last season about the quality of players like Tomlinson, like Champion, etc., who perhaps didn't build on what we had already. And I think. To an extent, would you say that the signings this season have done a similar, a similar thing? Do you, are you, are you, you know, do you think that the signings have added much to our squad, or do you feel as though we're still pretty much the same team as we were last season? No, actually, I'm, I, I've, I was actually quite impressed with the with the um, acquisitions because Campbell Rice has got a lot of um, has got a lot of ability. I mean, he's coming to the end of his career, but he's got a lot of ability and he adds a bit of quality in the final third. He may not have the legs to go sprinting past, you know. Um, he's a very, very good player, though. Yeah, he's a very good player. And I think the key to it as well is is that it's all well and good having these players with, you know, who can make lung bursting runs. But at the end of the day, you've got to have quality at the end of it. And he, ha- he has got quality. I think um, I think Agpro Agpro is, again, is another experienced guy at yeah, this level. He's a good level, player. And he's a good player. Um, I think Alex Nichols is another good player. Um, Ryan Watson, from what I've seen, is is decent, but he's, he's young. Right, yeah, he's decent. He's young. So I, th- I look at it and I think, well, yeah, the acquisitions that are have been reasonable and are, are better than what we had um, in terms of what we were trying to replace. I, mean, I, I I see that. I just think though, if you look at the core spine of the squad, so you know Vickers or Stevens in goal, um, then you've got Nelson and uh, Dembele or Nelson and Gala. The, the two centre midfielders, Curtis Weston and Sam Togwell and Kinley up front. I mean, that's the core that won us the conference, basically. I mean, obviously, you know, you can substitute in a couple of, you know, Stevens for, for Nelson, etc. I just get the sense that we're really lacking a, a dominant presence in the midfield. You know, a really Agreed. good sort of player. And, and I, I think I would rather have one quality addition to the squad, which I think, I think we're missing quality, not necessarily quantity. Mm. And have you know not have say Akpat Pro Nichols? I'd rather have a fantastic you know the equivalent of Connor Clifford when he came in for us in the conference. I mean, looking across that team right now, what what if you were Martin Allen? What is it do you think we're missing apart from you know Gash etc? But what what are we really missing in terms of uh, a player that we desperately need to, to push this team on another level? I think we I think what we need to push a team on is the same as what we needed last year and I think we we had this conversation in um, in a previous podcast where we talked about um that I I still feel we need a player in the center midfield who's going to put his foot on the ball and dominate the game and I feel that um Sam Togger is a great screener a great screen um and I just think that unfortunately I like Curtis Weston I like him as a player I just think that 
for what this team needs. I, I think that his place would be the one that would be vun most vulnerable. Um, and I don't think it helped at the beginning of the season when we were playing Curtis out on the left instead of something like Luke, Gambin, Steph, stuff. Because, again, that just it, it sends the wrong message. Um, I just that you know, and I think Ryan Watson. I like Ryan Watson. What I've seen of him, but I think the thing is, he's young, mm. and he's gonna he's gonna take a while to settle in to playing regular. You know, for, you know, gonna be forty six games a season, which he's, he'll never have done. He'll never play yeah. this many games in a season. Um, and I think he just needs a little bit sort of easing in. I like what I've seen of him, um, but he's not quite ready. Um, and I like Harry Taylor a lot. And I think, again, he's, again it's whether or not we've got the patience. Yeah, I think because, you know, one of the things we were talking about at the end of last season was obviously the really exciting youth players that are coming through. Mm. And yet we haven't really seen much of that. Um, and I guess it's inevitable, really, because we know that Martin Allen only really started playing those youth players once we were relatively safe sort of through, uh, you know, sort of March, late March and April. Mm. Um I mean, do you think that any of those players could come in and, and really do a good job for us? I mean, we talked about Harry Taylor, but, you know, Shomerton or, um, uh, you know, Amaluza, um, any of those players could come in and do a job? I love saying that name, Amaluza, by the way, I think. <laughs> whenever, I see, when I say, whenever I see Justin Amaluza's name, I just keep thinking of Beck. <laughs> I just keep, the song, the song keeps popping in my head. Um, but, no, to sort of get, you know, in all seriousness... Um, I really like Nanakiai, and I'm a bit surprised he hasn't been involved in it because, I, if anything, of all the places, I mean, I know we've got um, Campbell Rice and we've got uh, Nichols, who both played uh, points on the right side, but I kind of feel like nobody's really nailed that position, and I kind of, I'm surprised that Kiai has not been given a chance to have a go, or even Amaluza because he looked really good against Crawley as well. Um, and then you've got um, you've got Shomerton as well. Yeah, he, and he I noticed the Shomerton was on the bench the other, uh, the other day. Um, again, it's like we we are lacking in creativity, and I, it would you know for me, it, 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 I think he's going to have to. I think Martin Allen's got to decide what you know how he wants the team. You know whether or not this the way he's set up currently is is going to take us forward, or whether or not he needs to start augmenting it a little bit more with some of these younger players and get a bit of legs in the team. Maybe. I mean. Moving away, perhaps from the from the tactical side of it, obviously there's a couple of interesting issues around the squad in terms of players that are playing more regularly and less regularly. Um, Mauro is obviously back in the side and is doing. I, I thought he played really well the other week, and he, he seems to be um, sort of asserting his presence more and more, partially due to the injury to um, to Pearson. On the other hand, Luke Gambin, who was, you know, all of us said at the end of last season and at the start of this one in the preview that we thought he was going to be one of the standout players. This was going to be his season. He's finding himself on the bench for a variety of reasons, off field, you know, a couple, maybe a couple of injuries here and there. Firstly, you know, Mauro, are you happy to see him back? And secondly, Luke, what do you see as being the future there? Well, I think, I think, I think Mauro, Mauro coming back is a baffling one because I kind of, because uh, Martin Allen has never really, he's sort of really fancied him. He's never really put his faith in him. And it's, it's kind of a bit baffling. It seems a bit chaotic because we've had Sean Batters on the transfer list. He's suddenly come back in the team. Ben Thompson suddenly appeared back in the team. <laughs> I think only for Mara's one game. back in the team. But Mara's putting in performances like he was putting in uh, points um, when he played more regularly. And I look at it and I think, I'm just like, I'm trying to work out, is, this, is he just throwing things at the, you know, throwing things. See at what the works. And see what works. But I mean, look, I think Mara's a clever guy. Mara's a clever player. He's always been able to adjust himself to play in different positions. And... It doesn't surprise me he's doing well, doing well there. And I think Maro is still young enough to be, to be developed into a really good fullback. It's whether or not this is just a stopgap, and it's you know Martin Allen's eventually going to move him aside for 
I mean, I think that's that's probably quite likely considering what's happened over the last few seasons with Mauro in terms of being in and out of the squad, etc. Yeah. Onto onto Luke then. I mean that, you know, that could a lot of people frustrated that Luke's on the bench, particularly when we see Weston in certain situations playing out wide or whatever. Um, what's your what's your take on that? You know, is this something that is unsettling the team? Is it something that you know we need to sort of fix, or where do you see this one ending up? Well, I, I feel that the, the, the situation with Gambin, um, it, it all started to make sense when when they come out with that thing about him that he was going to he wasn't going to sign his contract. Because I was looking at it going, why the hell has Weston started the season on the left of midfield? There's, yeah. no, there's no reason behind that. And then it made sense to me that basically it looks to me like Martin Allen was trying to punish him in some way because he won't sign his contract. Yeah. But I think what's happened now is he's had it's had a really negative effect because now that we we know we've got Luke at least until the transfer window. We've kind of knocked. We've kind of knocked any kind of rhythm out of him because he's been in and out of the side, and he's not can't find any form. And the tactics have been very direct. And I think actually Luke's Luke's just really struggling um, to get any kind of run going. Um, and when he comes in the team, he's not. You know, I think when you put, when you have wingers, wingers thrive off off rhythm. Uh-huh. They need to play games because the thing about them is they are creative players, and they need to be able to. Um, get the feel of the game so that when they come on they're making the right way to pass they're making the, put the crosses in the right areas it's not as simple as being a defender where you come in and just boot the ball away <laughs> I think that's a bit unfair on, no, no, on a couple you, of no, our and, <laughs> and I get that I get you have to get to the speed of the game but I think with with players who've got a bit more delicate uh, a bit more delicate and a bit more um, a bit more um, well they're creative rather than destructive is ultimately right I mean exactly. that's, the, that's the key difference exactly and you've got to get the run of the game because you're playing balls with precision and the thing about that is is that you need to be at the pace of the game and if you're in and out of the side it's counterproductive in my opinion so do you, do you do you think he'll stick around beyond January or do you think he's going to be one of those players that perhaps could you know could we, we could see go well I think I think well I mean Orient put, put in a bid for 100k was yeah it? I think that's what yeah now that we're never going to get 100k come January because he's going to have six months on his contract, yeah, or whatever, have any months to the end of the season. I think we will see him go in, in January. Uh, so yeah, in the January transfer, he'll probably go to a team in Division One, and we'll probably take a nominal amount, which you, which is a shame really because it, it shouldn't end up like that. I mean, it's you know he's the second good player that I think we've obviously really developed as a club. A bit like Andy, you know, when Andy came to us, um, he was not particularly. He was quite raw, and mm. he's ended up being. A mainstay in that Barnsley, uh, in that Barnsley team that's doing very well in the championship, and yeah. he's gone for nothing. And it could be a sort of similar situation with Luke, which would be a real shame, I think, because you know both of those players have, have done really well at Barnet, and um, Barnet have done really well for them. I think the difference is though between Luke and, and Andy is Andy was all more, more of a combative player, and I think um, I think that he suited Martin Allen, which is why you get more games. Yeah, and I think Luke was never really, although Martin Allen has contributed, but I think he, the impression I get with Martin Allen is he treats flair players as people that he can bring in and out for the a the bit like Luisma did yeah or, you know like pick and choose the games they play and he won't trust he won't fully trust them to be to contribute in every game I mean he um, wasn't he wasn't particularly a flair player himself was he, he was a sort of you know <laughs> no, wasn't. and I think that that yeah it's, it's trivial but that sort of thing has quite a big influence I think in football it's still sort of I mean I make this point all the time to anybody you know to anybody who asks <laughs> me I've I, I used to watch Brentford a lot because I used to live around the corner from the grounds yeah um, and I used to go and like, alternate between Barnet and Brentford most weekends. The bees, yeah, yeah definitely, yeah, the fake bees. <laughs> and um, red and, and white bees. And I and I, when Martin Allen was the manager, I, I watched him bench uh, Stephen Hunt and Jay Tab virtually every other week. Yeah. And them guys went off to play at a much higher level than Brentford. Uh, yeah. At the time, so he he clearly doesn't feel that he can fully trust players who've got that kind of ability 
every week. And so, he, but it's not good for them. I don't think it's good for flair players to be in and out of the side. It's interesting because clearly, Mike Allen has done well at the club. He's he's won the club promotion. He's got the club into the you know near the playoffs previously. Um, do you think? You know, we talked a little bit about him sort of curtailing the, the creativity of players. He won promotion, I think, with MK Dons. MK Dons he won the league with? Gillingham. Gillingham, sorry. Yeah. Do you think he is the right man to take this club forward at this moment in time? And forward meaning the next level, which is establishing ourselves over a sort of a three or four year period as a top half club with a couple of flirts with the playoffs. Do you think he is the man to do that? I do, because I think at this level, I think the best clubs are the teams that win the promotion, win the first and second. You usually got a bit, of, bit of, a bit more about them than just being a hard working team. But generally, you find that the playoff teams are generally quite hardworking. Yeah. And and he can build us a hardworking side. He's done it with Gillingham. He took him up. And I think that most of the clubs he's ever he's ever been been at, he's always been in the fl- in and around the playoffs. Yeah. Which for Barnet is a good place to be. Yeah. We're never going to be a top three team. Um, if we have one amazing season, we could be. But generally, our 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 level is generally mid mid table, mid to lower mid table. So if we can get into playoffs. I believe he can do that. I just think this whether or not the, the fans are prepared to put up with or prepared to accept the style of football that it would take to play to get to that level. I mean, one of the one of the reasons clearly we are a, a side that are lower mid table, you know, top of the conference is our attendance, and and that's one of the things that's cropped up quite a lot over the last few weeks or so. Um, particularly the midweek game against Morecambe, which I was at last week, and it was you know one thousand one hundred, including thirty six Morecambe fans. A lot's being made around attendances. Um, pricing £25 it is to go to a Barnet match now if you're not a concession and you know on an anecdotal level everyone's got anecdotes and they count up for something but you know a lot of my friends are saying well yeah it's just too much money you know you can go to Charlton for £17 pound a day Millwall similar prices you know which is both of those are a, a step up and Charlton was a, two steps up last season £25 right not right do you think the negativity is justified or do you think that the club is it's kind of overstepped the mark on that one. Yeah, it's a, it is a really difficult one because at the end of the day, we don't see the budget sheet. We don't see the balance. You know, yeah. We don't know what he's trying to squeeze out in terms of you know extra math funds for this, that and the other. Um, £25 does seem a lot of money because I, I, I have to admit, um, I, used to have a group, I used to have a group of guys who used to come ad hoc with me. I've always yeah. been quite... I've always been... I've always had a season ticket. But I used to have... And now asking, yeah, do you want to come Barnet? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How much is the ticket? Well, where I sit, it's about 25 quid to get in. And they're like, mm, mm, yeah, maybe not. I'm a bit skint this month. That, and that yeah. kind of thing. And I get this. We can't go back. We're not going to have five, ten pound tickets. I get that. I just, yeah, I do think there's, there's a kind of middle ground. There's got to be a middle ground somewhere where, where we don't um, we don't put off the, 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 the kind floating. of fan. The kind of fan that will come a few games and then get hooked. I mean, for me, because the club, are, I don't know if they're responding or whether it's part of their original plan. Probably, I think, the former. They are doing a lot of offers, you know, we've got the buy one, get one free for the Orient game, which is, I think, quite a good idea. Um, also, there's four for £40, which they're doing, I think, on the terrace for the next four games. But the problem with those initiatives is that they work really well for one or two games, but they don't attract back people who are, you know, who are willing to pay £25 a ticket. And I just think, for me, it's just that, and there's a couple of other really small things around sort of, you know, the added extras with the clubs and... You know, if you go to Barnet, let's say you go to Barnet for a, a you know day out, so you drive across, it's five pounds for the parking. You know, there's two, you say there's three of you that go, that's seventy five pounds for the ticket. You know, you go go to the bar, you get some food, whatever. You're, you're looking at spending sort of a hundred, hundred twenty pounds um, on a you know a day out at a lead two club, and that that really is a lot of money, I think. And I, I I don't know, I'm curious to see 
where, you know, whether the clubs stick with those prices, I think they will, and the impact on attendances, because clearly, you know, people are, are voting with their feet to a certain extent. Um, and I, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm done it. I just, I, it's one of those ones I feel really torn on because I, I, you know, have a lot of time for clans to think he's done great things for the club, but I do just get the sense that £25 for a football match, you know, which is, you know, the Saturday's match or against Morecambe, it, it just doesn't sit right with me. I can't, yeah, I know what you're saying, and I think maybe the big mistake he's made is not gauge, not get, not gauge the feeling from the supporters. I know there's like a little supporters group that they've got together. Yeah, I think Michael's involved in that actually. Who does is the he? Podcast with us. That's probably where he's tonight. He's uh, possibly yeah. Arguing for higher prices. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you know what the problem I think is it is I think there was already an undercurrent of negativity. Yeah. Um, around there are still people that just doesn't matter how long we we're at the hive, just cannot accept the hive. I mean, there's a group of kid, group of supporters already. Who are going off? Uh, who are banging on about going to see Hadley play? Christ, um, must be desperate. On it. Yeah. And so it's kind Purist. of one of those situations where I think what's happened is is that this undercurrent of negativity has been uh, has, has exploded because people have suddenly uh, are now like have just got so ca- got so fed up, fed up, and they're so in in, 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 in it's such a negative spiral that now everything is like if you go on a Barnet Facebook, any sort of Barnet fan Facebook page. It, it, like just some of the stuff that's being dragged up, you know, oh look how crap is this and how crap is that, and it's just like, and then everybody's, it's almost like becoming like a bit of self help, where like everybody is piling on their negativity <laughs> onto the table. Sort of like therapy. It's almost like therapy, yeah, yeah. And I look at it, let and it I'm all out. Like, oh my god, it's so negative, and 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 I feel, I feel like I don't want to look at them anymore because I, I, I want to be positive because I look at the side, and I look at the situation we're in at the moment, and if we went on a run like we did last year. We're, bit, we're up in the playoffs. Yeah. No, so I we're in a good place to be on the pitch, but it seems off the field, it's as, as the supporters, we can't see... It's, it's as we're bottom We can't see to raise ourselves. Yeah. It's interesting that. I mean, I, you know, I think part and parcel of it is supporting Barnett. You, you, you know, it takes a certain sort of person, doesn't it? And we've grown to be kind of quite negative about the club. But yeah, I mean, you're right. If you look over a sort of five-year period, you know what, we're promoted... We've got one of the best strikers, I think, in the club's history, you know, playing up front. You know, we're at a new ground. Like, things are looking really, really positive. But I think for me, it's a shame more that... I just don't... I do I do think... Yeah, I get your point about sports, but I do think the club has failed to capitalise on some of that momentum. Um, you know, maybe maybe there is just an inherent barrier. But if you look at a team like Burton Albion, who I always kind of compare us to in some way, with a sort of similar ground, similar setup, um, you know, they've, they've obviously kicked on in a slightly different way. Um, and they've managed to kind of grow their attendances as they as they go. And I just, I know we've been stuck at this 1700 for, you know, about 12 years now, 15 years now. The, go the, on. I, I think, I think some people look at Underhill with, with, with kind of real like rose tinted glasses to a certain degree. I've been to Underhill on a Tuesday night with, with like 1200 people. Okay. Yeah. All right. And that was it. That was at the fated to Underhill, which no, loads of people didn't want to believe and stuff like that. <laughs> I've been there when the the atmosphere was really, really crap. And yeah. I sat in there freezing, watching the worst football team, like under under Laurie Sanchez, and I watched some terrible <laughs> the football. magician. And I stopped going. And I, around the time I stopped going for a period under John Steele because I couldn't bear the football. And and so we've you know it's been bad before. And when you bear in mind as well, when we won the league at a canter under Paul Fairclough, the attendances didn't really go up much. They didn't really go up, which you anticipate. I think a lot of our fans have been brought up on um, on Barry Fry era. And I remember going to Barry Fry games um, when we played Barry Fry and the, and, and the stadium was rammed. Yeah, so that, that, that's... But that, that's but, that was a, that, but that was a different era. And the reason that era is... And sorry to cut you off. No, no. And I know I'm going... But 
that was a different era. That was an era where you could go to Arsenal for twenty pounds, okay, and then you what we would a lot of supporters would do is they go Arsenal or Spurs, and then the the, the week the gap week, if they didn't go away, they'd go to Barnet. So you'd always see a lot of Arsenal shirts and a lot of Spurs shirts. The difference now is that Arsenal and Spurs is now 60, 70, 80 quid a ticket. So these supporters who are bigging up, the, sort of really boosting the crowds that we were getting under Barry Fry, yeah. are gone. They can't afford to go to Barnet because, they cut, because, because they're just about affording their £1,000 season to get our Arsenal. Or I mean, yeah, I, and I, I see your point on that. And I, I think there's a, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, I just think, though, that, you know, you just think about the numbers of people, like six million people in London, or, you know, however many, you know, it's a couple of hundred thousand knocking around the local, within the catch, you know, 10, 20, 30 miles or so, Barnet. Like, there, there's, we've got to be able to get more than 1,700 to Barnet. I really do think that. And I, I think, yeah, sure, you know, 1,700 on a good day, that was an orient. Normally, it's, say, 1,400, 1,500 home fans. Like, I, you know, I just think, having looked at what other clubs have done, you know, Burton Albion being an example, um, that... There is there is definite room for improvement in terms of how we market the club, how we push the club forwards, and you know I get get your points about you know the sentences have stayed relatively stable with how well we've done on the pitch, etc., etc. But surely you know these these facilities are fantastic. We've got a great stadium. You know that new stand looks amazing, and I just think there are ways of squeezing a couple of hundred more people onto the gate if we if we had a really really efficient marketing uh, machine, which I, I don't think hopefully we will get it soon, but I don't think we've got quite got it at the moment. I, one thing I think we're, an area that we think we need to we definitely need to focus on um, is when I when I first started going to Barnet it was five pounds for a ticket for a junior yeah okay and I used to use my pocket money and I used to jump on the bus I used to jump on the one hundred and seven and get to the ground and I used to and all in I could buy a drink I could do it for a tenner yeah because I didn't have an income it was all po- pocket money so I kind of feel like we need to drive we need to put a drive on for those under under those school kids under so eighteen or so under yeah. So yeah. Get around the school teams. Get around to all the all the schools. Get around the school teams and say, look, if you're, you know, if you go to this school, we'll give you a ticket for a fiver. And I know fiver is a lot less, but the fact of the matter is, if you've got 150, 200 school kids in there, and you can, when they turn adults, that, that we can keep retaining convert 10 percent, even 10 percent or whatever. The, the clubs, the club is, you know, is growing its supporter base because, in all fairness, when I look around at all the people that I've known for years. We're all of a certain age, <laughs> you know. I'm in my, I'm, you know, I'm in my, you know, late thirties. Yeah. And you've got um, most of the people I know are in their forties and fifties and sixties. Yeah. The, the young blood is not really there. Yeah, I know. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, I think uh, I was speaking to a few people that I know who are of my age who go a bit, and yeah, it's, it's very much, it's more sort of apathetic now, I think, towards it than, uh, you know, than it was maybe even at Underhill. There's perhaps a few more young people, but you know. That's something perhaps to keep an eye on, and hopefully with the, the new media work there, we'll be able to see a bit of improvement on that. Because I'm sure there is some great work that goes on that we don't know about. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, you know, we have to know about it. Otherwise, it doesn't really seem like there's much work going on, which is a bit unfair on the people that work there. Um, but finally, let's yeah. let's crack on because we've got you know, coming up to half an hour or so, um, and we don't want to bore everyone off after <laughs> after <laughs> two months away. Um, last thing, then, I mean, let's just go back to what's happening on the pitch. We've got. Um, you know, hopefully try and get a few more episodes in quite soon. But in terms of fixtures, we've obviously just come out of the end of the uh, of the Portsmouth game, um, the Leighton Orient game, etc. Um, and looking ahead, we've got, you know, this under-21 cup on, on the Tuesday night. Doncaster away, Exeter, Wickham, Newport and Hartlepool. So a couple of clubs there. Doncaster obviously looking very strong. But, the, you know, the, the other clubs there, Wickham, uh, Newport, um, 
Hartlepool and, uh, and Exeter kind of struggling. What what are you hoping for in terms of a return from those five fixtures, points wise, and in terms of performances? And, and you know, do you think we can kind of kick on to that mid table position that we were talking about earlier? I'm actually quite positive in the next few games because I think Doncaster, being flying high like the way they are, is I think they'll actually play into our hands because the way, like I said just earlier, uh, a bit like Portsmouth did then, <laughs> a bit like Portsmouth. Well. We started off all right, actually, Portsmouth. Yeah, um, no, we did, we did. I, I, I actually, feel, I actually feel that Doncaster. I mean, looking here as well, if you look at the, the games, Doncaster have only lost three games this season. More than us. Yeah, more than us. They lost more than us. And and I think that if we, if we just, we've only been spanked by one team. If we can just play, keep it tight. I think the way that we're the way that we're set up, I think we could actually cause some problems. Um, I look at the other teams, and I think they're all very winnable. Uh, Hartley pulls mid table around us. You got Exeter set second bottom. And it's a home as well. Yeah. So you've got games. If we can start to build up a bit of form, we could start, we, we could easily build up a run of form and jump and jump up a few places. And get up the table because I think I think it's it's not we're not a million miles off the off the we we are basically two, a win, two wins off the playoffs. Was that a, a, a half a glass half full then? I mean, in terms of for me, I think. I'm just. I really want to see the team win without Akinde scoring, <laughs> and ideally without him playing, just to give me a bit of security. Because I do think an injury to him would be very, very interesting in terms of our backup. Um, but yeah, I, I get the sense that we are. You know, at the start of the season, the preview. You know, you and Michael were very positive and saying, you know, we push just outside the playoffs. And you know, I was saying, well, you know, I take a 12th place position. I think I still would uh, at this moment. Um, but yeah, maybe you know, maybe a couple of wins here or there will will turn it around. And we've been very solid at the back before Portsmouth. I think we had the best defence in the league. Um, so yeah, opt- optimistic going forwards then. Um, is it, well, the, thing, the thing about any team is, it's the hardest bit is always is to keep it. The the bit we're doing well is we're keeping solid and we're actually in most of the games. Yeah. So I think now it's just a case of uh, it's, it's getting us to um, to start uh, gelling as a team um, in the final third and. If we can do that, then we'll kick on. Um, we're on, we're at a decent base. We're not getting beaten regular. We're not getting beaten regularly. We're not struggling to to score goals. We're struggling to score goals, obviously, amongst the team. But we are scoring goals, and at some point, I think it's going to start. It's going to it's going to gel. Right. Well, let's end on that on that positive note then, before I drag it down with another <laughs> <laughs> another worry about on the field or off the field issues. Um, Man, thanks for coming by, and hopefully we'll we'll try and get another couple of episodes in this month um, and get Michael and the, and the gang back together. But um, fingers crossed, looking ahead to the next uh, five or six fixtures. Cool. Good stuff. Thanks. Okay, everyone. Well, thanks for listening uh, to the episode. Uh, like I said at the start, we're really sorry we've been away for a while, but we're hoping to be back on a much more regular schedule. Um, so, as usual, let us know. Um, hit us up on the uh, iTunes. Subscribe, like, comment, share us around. And fingers crossed you'll be hearing from us very, very soon. Thanks.